0: Ladies and gentlemen, your boy is ill, so just to say, just getting out of the way, your boy's had a chesty cough for the past four days, and he's just on the mend. so, with that said, I'm still going to talk my shit, <laughs> in the words of Public Enemy's jug, do you bring the noise? Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back everybody, hope everybody's had a good week, uh, mine's been very, uh it's been very draining, I will, I will, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm just going to keep it 100, it's been a drain, it's been a, just a, an emotional drainer, it's been a physical drainer, and a, 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 everything drainer, it's just drained everything out of me, honestly, because it's annoying having a cough as it is, but the fact that it's been 30-something degrees uh, in the past few days has just made it completely worse. So being hot and wanting to cough my lungs out is just not, it's not, it's not in chief. So it's been a draining, it's been a draining uh, uh, half week. So, you know, just, just how it goes. But anyway, I hope you guys have had a good week regardless. Um, regardless of how I'm feeling. <laughs> send me soup. No, joke. it Don't send me soup. Um... <laughs> I'm trying a different method of recording here, um, I'm still on my mic, but I've, I've changed up a quick, uh, I've changed up a little system thing, so it's, it's looking different on the Wavelength, so ho- hopefully it's looking good, it's sounding good, uh, or better for you guys, so we shall see how that works, but yes, I'm going to talk like this in a, just a, uh, in a 80's Love Radio Charlie, which is, which is uh, you know, the vibe. Always the vibe. Hey, welcome back to the Jam 106. Today we have some Luther Vandross and Al Green. And we might end it for you guys. Or might end it for you ladies with a bit of Stevie Wonder. Now, joking. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Um we've had it we have had a stacked week. It's been a hell of a week. Uh news wise episode 40. Just realised it's episode 40. It's crazy um nearing nearing fifty and beyond obviously so you know uh you know praise to you guys for listening so far. If you have listened to every episode I highly appreciate you. Um if you've listened in any way, I still highly appreciate you. Um you know anyone spending time just like an hour of their week Listening to me talk about why I feel like needs to be talked about or what I feel like talking about every week is humbling and you know, everyone's time is precious when they actually think about it. So you guys would rather listen to Drake, but you know, it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine, waste your time, but it's all good. It's it's all good. It's your time. You spend it how you want to. You go watch Love Island. Don't, but do what do you, I guess. But anyway, um I'm gonna nurse this cough. Uh, during the intervals and hopefully it sounds a bit better by the the end of the show I highly doubt it though so I'm going to speak more methodically I'm going to take my time and uh, yeah we'll just see how it goes so formalities before we begin we have the email we have the Twitter we have the Facebook it's all there in the description below and it is an episode of What's Good without a plane going over my fucking house great so without further ado then the music drop over the airplane. (laughs) Let's get it. In a week where Glasgow University is going to pay 20 million pounds in slave trade reparations. Now, I saw this earlier in the week and um, you know, I thought it was worth a mention because there are, you know, there's, there's constantly talk about especially Russell Group universities and uh, like Cambridge or and especially Oxford. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of problems going on there in terms of uh, just uh, history and them not accounting for it. I remember seeing, like, a Channel 4 video last year where, uh, somewhere, Chan- uh, 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 was it Channel 4? Yeah, it was Channel 4, and, uh, they basically interviewed a Oxford historian, and he was talking about a statue that, of a, of a guy who's at the Oxford campus, a statue of, like, a dictator or just a, you know, just a, um, just a, just a generally terrible person. And he was trying to justify him not being racist, even though he clearly did racist things, and he acknowledged that he did racist things. But he's not racist. Goes back to that not racist conversation that we had uh, last uh, was it last week or two weeks ago. Pretty much goes back to that. But shout out to Glasgow University. Shout out to them. Um, Hasbro, yes, the toy company. I'm talking about the toy company. Technically owns, now owns Death Row Records. Death Row Records. If you don't know, you know, uh, Two Pack, uh, All Eyes on Me. Snoop Doggy Dogg, Doggy Style, those kind of you know that kind of era of music. Uh, yeah, all Death Row is owned by now owned by Hasbro. If you want to know more about that, go look it up because it's bloody amazing. Uh, in an eventful G7 summit, Trump hereby orders U.S. companies. That's a legit quote. He hereby orders, like he's a like he's at a fox king and fucking Robin Hood, uh, to no longer do business with China, which is not how. Um, It's not how America works. Um, That's actually called socialism, believe it or not. Um, So, you know, um, it's interesting. uh, Republicans, uh, you know, don't really, don't usually like um, socialism. I'm just uh, wondering where are their responses towards that as I sip my drink. Just a thought. Uh, Continuing on, Ben Stokes unleashes a Braveheart-like performance. And the Ashes, I'm not, a, you know, I don't watch the Ashes, I don't, you know, I, I haven't seen a cricket game in years, I haven't seen a cricket game since, I don't know, since I used to uh, uh, kick on my dad every weekend, it was, yeah, it's, it's been a while, So, but I, I did hear uh, people saying that's uh, one of the best performances in, kind of, cricket history, uh, or in English test history, however you, however you want to slice it, one of the best, one of the better performances of, uh, of, of the generation and of the history of cricket. So, you know, I thought that was worth a mention. The New York Times unveiled a massive anthology, I'm going to call it anthology because I don't really know what to call it, uh, called The 1619 Project in in trying to retell the story of slavery in the US 400 years after its beginning. So it was the 400th anniversary of the beginning of slavery in the US a few, about a week ago, and the New York Times did this uh, doing this 1619 Project. I urge you guys to read it um, not the whole, well, as much as you, as much as you think you should, um, there are PDFs of it, if you don't have a New York Times account like I do, because I would have, I would have talked about it on here, but I didn't, but I, I exceeded my free article limit on New York Times, apparently, for the month, so, whatever, (laughs) Uh, so yeah, there are, there are PDF versions of the magazine uh, version, and there's a lot on there, so uh, if you want to go for that, please go for that, it's amazing. And there's also an audio series, a podcast, I guess, a series going out, uh, well, already starting to come out, as episode one's already dropped. It is hosted by a uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, uh, who's a reporter for the New York Times, and I can't wait to just get into it, because it's just... Uh, <sighs> If 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 the if the audio series is as good as the read, then wow, this is going to be one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to, and I've listened to a few, might they? So uh, we 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 shall see how that goes. And lastly, Parliament has been suspended here in the UK. It's actually happened today as I record. So basically, democracy is going down the shit. That's that's basically what it is. It's, it's, he it's, Boris Johnson has technically. S- gone over stepped over democracy like Alan Iverson over Tyrone Liu. That's basically what he's done right here. And regardless of how long it is, whether it's for like a day or a few days or a week, it's still the intent is there. The intent is I don't want democracy to go on right now. That's basically what he's already done. Um you know, there's people shitting on the Queen, saying like she shouldn't have said it but well she shouldn't have allowed it to happen. Like it's the Queen. No <laughs> Do you want her to rule? Like, do you want a monarchy? You know what I mean. So, this is not the point. That's, that's that's really not the point. The point is Boris Johnson here. It is all about Boris Johnson here. It's saying I'm going to step over democracy and want in order to get my shit done. That's basically what he's done right here. So stop bitching about the Queen. That's not that's not the conversation we should be having here. The conversation is democracy literally going down the shitter as it pertains to our Prime Minister, that's basically what he's done right here, so um, we'll get into that at a later date, hopefully, um, once I find a good flashpoint to talk off, but which I'll start the show with life, and I've been wanting to talk about this obviously since last week, uh, since the news, well, well, I say news of it, but obviously it's been going on for at least a month now, Uh, the Amazon rainforest fires, and... (sighs) we just have to the the thing i'm going to i want to put across here as it pertains to all of this well two things one it's not actually the only set of wildfires that's going on right now there's about there's thousands of cases of them that've gone on in uh, in uh, central africa in the past uh, in the past couple of weeks and funny enough i found that on twitter of all places i uh, didn't realize twitter was the I was on the cutting edge of uh, of, of the latest news, but hey ho, here we are. That's why I got that's where I got it. So that's one thing. But two is obviously the 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 blatant crime of ecocide here Is basically what it is. You you guys have heard the genocide, you know what that is. Ecocide. This is what it is, is ecocide. this it's I'm going to destroy this rainforest in order to gain on other things, and what I've got here is an article uh, via Open Democracy, uh, Manuela Labardi of uh, OpenDemocracy.net, and it's leaked documents. The from last, it's from the 21st of August, so it's literally a week ago. Uh, it's leaked documents showing the Brazil's uh, Jair Bolsonaro, who's the prime minister there or president, I forgot how they how they do it down there, uh, has grave plans for the Amazon forest rainforest. So these are leaked documents, these are, this is government documents on what they want to happen, on what they're trying to do here, and it's basically, in my mind, not officially, I don't know the legal procedure here, but in my mind, I'm, le- I'm reading this, and what I'm thinking is, right, so clearly, he wanted this to happen, and he made steps towards it happening. Obviously, there'll be steps to try and, f- you know, find, I guess, um, ties towards it if we're talking about actually sending this dude to jail um but this is enough to say to me that he's fine with he's at least fi- a minimum fine with all this happening and the apathy is ex- is extraordinary absolutely extraordinary so let's get into this uh, right quick Leaked documents show the Jair Bolsonaro's government intends to use the Brazilian president's hate speech to isolate minorities living in the Amazon region. PowerPoint slides, which Democracia Abieta, I probably that name, has seen, also reveal plans to implement predatory projects that could have a dev- could have a devastating environmental impact. Bolsonaro government has one of the one of its priorities to to strategically occupy the Amazon region to prevent implementation of mu- multilateral conservation projects for the rainforest, specifically the so-called AAA project. as a quote, development projects must be implemented on the Amazon basin to integrate it into the rest of the national territory in order to fight off international pressure for the implementation of the so-called AAA project. To do this, it is necessary to build the Trombetas River hydroelectric hydroelectric plant the Ob- the Obidos bridge over the Amazon River and the implementation of the BR one hundred sixty three highway to the border with Suriname, one of the slides read. Okay, so let's just stop there. Let's just stop there. So they want to they want to build a hydroelectric plant, a bridge over the river, and a whole highway. A whole highway. Now, this isn't even getting into the other reasons for this shit happening. The main reason for this shit happening that you've probably seen on the news in the past couple of past couple of months. Um, I saw I saw one piece on Channel Four do it. Um, meat, meat, the meat we eat, meat. You know, cows. That's the re- that's the reason why the main reason why the rainforest is being absolutely burnt to a crisp right now they're allowing the rainforest to be burnt right now for farmers of brazil to graze cows and to rate and to obviously raise cows and use and take them use their meat to sell to export it's a big export meat brazilian meat is a big export for them and obviously they need the space to have more farms farmland you know and just have cows grazing and to do so they use the rainforest and well use what was the rainforest uh, they just use the open land and put cows there so the more cows the more meat the more meat the more money that's basically what's going on here so that's the main that's the main main reason but obviously there's a lot of rhetoric here in terms of wanting to build a whole highway and also a hydroelectric plant and a bridge, they actually had memes over these, um, as it says in the article. Uh, there's also one paragraph here saying the slides are clear. Before any predatory plan is implement, implemented, the strategy begins with rhetoric. Bolsonaro's hate speech already shows that the plan is working. Amazon on fire. It's been burning for weeks, and not even close to those. Not even those who live in Brazil were fully aware the online reaction is far from being sensationalist this year alone brazil had 72,000 fire outbreaks half of which are in the amazon national institute for space research reported that satellite data showed an 84% increase on the same period in 2018 so you're te- you're, you're telling me you're going to try and tell me that um, this is just a complete just just complete wild wild accident Just look at the words, rain, forest. Rain, wet, forest, rainforest. Do you you really expect there to be that many wildfires in a rainforest? No. So clearly, somebody is letting off these fires, is starting these fires, stoking these fires. And it's kind of obvious who it is. Let's be real. It's It's obvious ecocide here um and you know obviously i mentioned the g7 summit uh earlier in a uh, in week where and there were they did actually seek to give 20 mil in as i guess aid to help the amazon rainforest give to brazil so they can help the amazon rainforest and bolsonaro rejected it and chatted shit to macron like do you see do you see this? And this goes into a further conversation that I won't get into broadly but well deeply, but you know, I wanna say it. We need to start realizing that um charismatic quote unquote charismatic leaders or personality leaders, let's say that, personality leaders don't do shit. Really really don't do shit. I'm not being I'm not being glib when I say this but we need to elect people that are fucking boring. I will be real. Cuz people are in this age of obviously, you know, social media and, and TV and people trying to get people's eyes and attention seeking. In terms of politics, it's the exact it's the exact same thing. The politicians you know are the ones that are the most I don't know, that they, they, they either talk funny, or look funny, or, you know, made fun of in comedies, you know them, but you don't know the, the ones that, um, actually, you know, try and get stuff done without fanfare, without flinging their arms about, go look at me, you know, looking at the US election, looking at What happened in Brazil, looking at the Indian elections, it's all showboating, it's all showboating, and that really gets nowhere. I don't want a a prime minister or a president, wherever country you're at, I wouldn't want a leader that I can quote-unquote have a beer with. That's just as stupid as shit, that's dumb as shit, that's an absolutely stupid parameter to have. In terms of choosing your head of state. is absolutely stupid. I don't care about having a drink with them. I care about what policies are they looking, are they looking at. What are they passionate about. What are they going to do about this. What are they going to do about that. What are they going to do about the policies I care about. That's what matters. But. I don't really understand why. <laughs> I do understand why. But even from a personality standpoint. The fact that. People choosing charisma over everything else is troubling to me. And look at what's going on now. Boris Johnson's stopping parliament, shitting on democracy. Bolsonaro is literally single-handedly trying to delete a whole rainforest. And then Dramodi's trying to start a war with Pakistan. Trump is doing, you know what Trump's doing. It's, 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 it's all linked. It's, it really is all linked. It comes really cut come, for me, all of this, Amazon, um, especially it comes down to leadership and what people vote for. And suffice to say we're voting criminals in. We're voting literal criminals in. You don't think you, you may not think ecocide shouldn't be a thing or isn't a thing. Fucking well should be. Let's be real. Okay, so we move on to we we'll move on to sport, and actually, believe it or not, the, uh, the the last three are actually relatively well—not positive, but more more light in my mind. Um, so we're going to enjoy these. So the U.S. Open is underway in. The U.S. Believe it or not, uh, tennis to make fourth the fourth and last major tournament of the year uh, in the tennis calendar, and I kind of want to talk about Serena Williams in the fashion of this 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 rivalry that is a complete non-rivalry in the in her against uh, Maria Sharapova. Now they faced for I think the twenty something. Excuse me. Twenty something uh, time, uh, a couple days uh, well yesterday or a couple days ago, and yeah, Serena Williams won six one six one straight sets. It was over. it was done in an hour. Okay, uh, we can, you can you can watch the highlights if you go want we'll go on to watch them. But I just wanted to talk about the whole thing, uh, the whole idea of this being a rivalry. <clears throat> now I feel like there is things afoot here. Um, I find it quite interesting looking at this, because obviously the US is considered to be that patriotic country and, you know, red, white and blue, you know, and pat the chest, but they've had moments where they've tried in nearly every turn of Serena Williams' career to shit on Serena Williams. And this is one of those, honestly, because the fact that The US Open, or just any tennis media or sports media, trying to hype up this matchup that really isn't a matchup anymore. Serena Williams has won or has beaten her 19 times in a row. Name name me a rivalry. Name me a rivalry where the other, the one person or one team or whatever, has beaten the other. Uh, one opponent has been the other 19 times in a row and you still consider that a rivalry name me something name me something it could be football basketball tennis highlight don't matter name a sport that where that's happened and you still consider that a rivalry you don't nobody does so why do we do it with this if it is it's interesting isn't it um you'll see sharapova beat uh, serena Early earlier in the earlier in the century, uh, two thousand and something, I think it was Wimbledon. Be that one time, and and they considered it a rivalry then, which I kind of, which you know, in the grand scheme of things, you could understand. You could understand because they probably were at that time number one, number two. But Sharapova is nowhere now since her doping scandal, well, doping conviction uh, for meldonium a couple of years ago. She's been nowhere she she has been nowhere literally um from from just a complete play standpoint and serena has obviously been in multiple finals since in the past couple of years especially since her baby as well so the 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 the, the disparity in skill is is so is so large atlantic ocean large right but we still get to do a rivalry why i do have the answer is race. <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not it's race funny enough. Um think about it. How interesting it is that Sharapova from an earnings standpoint, right? Uh is still 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 relevant from an endorsement standpoint, still relevant from a money standpoint. If you look at the top list in terms of uh, sports uh, tennis earnings, Sharapova right up there. Sharapova right, right there. Serena is obviously higher, but Sharapova is still there. Compared to somebody like a hey, Simona Halep, who recently won uh, Wimbledon a few months back, you know, it's not. It's Sharapova it, it, is still above them. You know, Sharapova is still one of the highest pay, highest uh, paid women's tennis players, but she hasn't won a major in Lord knows how long. It it, it screams. It screams. It, and think about this, right. You guys know how the u s is in terms of u s people in sports, right miracle ice you know and all, and all that all that stuff all that patriotism they pump into it right how how are they how are they possibly making this a rivalry right when a the opponent that should be the opponent in the crowd size is a white Russian women, woman woman. And they are trying to put her on the same pedestal as a black American woman who has won oh, the majors several times over. And the white Russian one has only won two. Why in your right mind would you make that a rivalry? Again, 19 times in a row Serena has been Mary Sharapova. Sharapova hasn't been relevant in the performance space in years. Serena yet has still been on her top of her game. I ask you again, why do you think this is all? This all is. I've already answered the question. Keep up. <laughs> it's just it's just interesting to me. Uh, I just I just wanted to talk about it right quick because I just found it so so funny looking at the past few days and watching, well, I didn't watch the match, but uh, looking at the highlights of it, and people just responding, yeah, guys, stop making, stop calling this a rivalry now, we've been saying this, we've been saying this, but I just find it so, so fascinating in this story of Serena Williams, and the story of the Williams sisters, that we still, well, not we, I don't, but the tennis media especially still try to make out if Sharapova is on Serena Williams' level. She hasn't been for 10 years. Let it go. Let her go. I understand how tennis media clings to Federer and Nadal and Djokovic and obviously Serena in, some, in, in a lesser fashion. I understand why they cling to them. I really don't understand why Sharapova is constantly put into the the same same airspace, the same atmosphere, the same stratosphere as Serena Williams. It baffles me. But, like I said earlier, you guys know the answer why. Symbol of white privilege number 502, putting Maria Sharapova on the same pedestal as Serena Williams. This has been the latest episode of Why People Do the Dumbest Shit. (laughs) So we move on to film and TV. And this is something I've been wanting to kind of mentally ask you guys in a way. um, As to your TV habits. Uh, and I'll, answer, I'll ask it now because it's pretty much what the uh, what the um, article is all about. Why why do why do you guys watch Friends and The Office a lot, like constantly on a loop? I, 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 why 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 I don't really get it. So this is so the article is excuse me by Richard Godwin of The Guardian. Um, it's called The Age of Comfort TV: Why People Are Secretly Watching Friends and The Office on a Loop. I don't consider it that secret, because one, you guys still post friend shit about Friends, excuse me, and The Office, and all the every every time I see a viewership, a percentages on Netflix, it's always Friends in the Office, and obviously that's uh, those two, those two shows are going off Netflix in a in a few in a few months or later, I don't know later in the year or later next year but I still I still wonder why, I just I just really wonder why, so let's get into this, and finally we we'll, might get the answer. In the opening episode of Netflix's animated Hollywood satire Bojack Horseman, the eponymous Steed gives a drunken speech about horsing around the fictional feel-good sitcom that made him a star in the 90s. For a lot of people, life is just one long, hard kick in the urethra, he says, and sometimes when you get home from a long day of getting kicked in the urethra, you just want to watch a show about good likable people who love each other when no matter ha- what happens at the end of the 30 minutes everything's going to turn out okay. BoJack Horseman is a rare thing on Netflix in that it is A original, B critically adored and C extremely popular. It's the 15th most viewed show, Netflix most viewed Netflix show in the US according to the analytics from firm analytics firm JumpShot. What a great name for an analytic JumpShot. Uh, but cast your eyes up that list, and there are far more horse and arounds than there are BoJack Horsemans. The most popular show is the US version of The Office, which ran for 9, se- se- nine series on the US channel NBC in the 2000s. Friends, the archetypal feel-good night sitcom, is the second most streamed show on the platform. This week, a former employee of Robert De Niro's production company was alleged in its court claim to have watched 55 episodes of it in one four-day period. No wonder Netflix is believed to have paid Warner Media $100 million uh, to license the show for 2019. Gilmore Girls, Parks and Recreation, Arrested Development, and Frasier also appear high on the list. More prominent than Heralded Netflix originals such as Stranger Things, House of Cards, or The Crown. Reportedly the most expensive TV show ever made, apparently The Crown is. Which I don't find worth it. And just a, just a side note on that. So you're telling me that you could afford the crown which is a show i don't know about the quality of it but on the face looks like every other royal drama that has happened in the past i don't know 50 years and you get something as original and bold as a get down and because it ballooned up a couple of times you you want to kick that off the airwaves hmm interesting still sorry about that it will forever be salty it seems that In this time of unprecedented choice and quality, the so-called golden age of prestige television, most of us still want to watch half-hour shows about vaguely likable people, in which everything turns out okay, ideally from the 90s, but maybe the 2000s, and preferably something that we have seen many, many times before. Welcome to the age of non-event TV. Over the past month or so, I've been watching, uh, watching as much Modern Family as possible, says Kieran29, who works as a policy analyst in London. I've seen them all loads of times, but I just don't feel like watching anything else because I love the warmth and the comfort that comes from the show. I think I started watching it again when I was going through a particularly bad time at work. I got addicted to the warmth, and then I got addicted to just feeling good about myself. Lucy, 28, from London, feels the same about Gilmore Girls, Cookie comedy, yada yada yada. I rewatch it when I'm stressed as a low as low-level distraction, but also to return to reassuring worlds with low jeopardy and no outcomes. Sometimes she has it on the back, has it on the background while she does housework or lets Netflix auto play her to sleep. Lucy says she still likes to watch the prestige shows that everyone is talking about, but they're a bit like haute cuisine. Is it haute or Hout? haute? haute? H H A U T E halt halt hort I think it's hort cuisine to Gilmore Girls is pasta. Quote, I find it more relaxing to watch as I don't have to join in on the hot takes and social threads that surround the big new series or worry about spoilers. I can create a little bubble and totally tune out. Hmm. So the article continues and there's a and I think the point's been made. I will read out uh, this one. Uh, paragraph here that i, I saw it was quite interesting the high numbers make more sense when you consider how people actually use their tvs in the 90s my family tv set would usually be switched on from 4 p.m to 11 p.m every day and i don't think we were unusual my little sister watched cartoons after school my older sister and i would then com- commandeer the remote for home and away and neighbors the early evening news would play to an empty room while we ate dinner and the whole family would gather with top of the pops or EastEnders. A lot of the time, the TV would be on in the background while housework or homework was done. A bit like how I have the radio on most of the time in my kitchen now. Or how many t- teenagers let YouTubers play in their bedrooms. Okay, so this is it. This is it. I guess it's a matter of familiarity, I guess. And I kind of understand that in a way. Um, sometimes me and my mum still uh, watch... We, we occasionally have a show on tap... When we feel like just watching something that we've seen before and just feel like watching it back, most of the time it's, it's something that we haven't seen in years. Um, a few a few months ago, we started wat- we we were watching Frasier, Funny enough, we were talking about Fraser. Uh, we were watching Frasier, which we watched well on and off. We watched it on and off back in the day when it was actually on. Um I don't really remember it obviously because I was mad young. But we started watching it again because it was just there, and we just it recorded like three episodes a day, so we just watched them three episodes every day for for a bit, and until we finished it. And obviously, we watched other stuff. Um, you know, I don't really care much about a spoiler alerts, or well, unless it's a show I really want to watch, or be the social media aspect of it. I don't care. I, I really don't care. Like I'm I I don't care anymore. I just watch. I just watch shows if I feel like watching it. If if it's a year later or on the day, I it doesn't really matter to me. It's just when I feel like I want to watch it. Um, I I do I do understand though how people are watching these shows pretty much as either background noise or just to escape from the world. Um, I get. I I can't really. I guess I don't really have I either have a show that I can relate to in such a way. Maybe something like I don't know, Fresh Prince, or uh, maybe some maybe some cartoon from back in the day. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends just because of just because I feel like watching uh, uh, something I haven't seen in a while. No, yeah, it's it's not really my impulse, I guess. But I, I guess I'm trying, t- I guess I, while I understand why people were doing this, and there there were a lot of people in university, while I was in university, there were a lot of people that were watching the aforementioned shows, Friends, The Office, Parks and Rec and Community were very popular amongst my, amongst my peers. Um, but I feel like they were watching it just simply to binge watch it and get through it, I guess. I don't, I don't really know if any of them watched it more for a comfort tv kind of uh, agenda but maybe they do maybe they do i'm not sure guys hit me up if you if you if you do <laughs> if you if you if you partake in this uh, in this comfort tv binging in a way it's kind of i get i guess that's what it is isn't it i guess that's what it is it's a it's a it's a new form of binge tv where some people listen to either listen to the radio to chill when they're on the way home back in the day anyway, in their cars or whatever, or they get home and listen to some music. Some people would throw on Netflix and just put on Friends or Fresh Prince or that 70s show. They ju- they just do that, and I guess for me... Oh, well, actually, I actually do it. I just realised I do it. In a way, I watch Family Guy and American Dad, pre- not every night, but every, every now and again, just to... Uh, if I'm awake during the night, I just go downstairs and watch Family Guy and American Dad until like 3 a.m. Sometimes I do that. I don't really, I don't like going to sleep to shows. I don't really like doing that. I like going to sleep to podcasts, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, I guess in a way, I do do it. Um, probably not as much as most people watching, binge watching Friends now over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, at least with Family Guy and American Dad, it's like you know how many, God knows how many seasons packed into two shows and. You know, they 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 switch it up now and again. Um, I I get, I I guess I guess I can relate. I guess I don't really know why I'm try, why I'm struggling so hard, but it is an interesting concept concept uh, that we're doing that we're doing now, um, and that is actually quite a throwback in terms of having the TV on from like 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. Because I was that ute that came home from school, watched cartoons for like three hours, and then we have dinner and then we just watch whatever my pop saw and my mum was watching that's said, you how it was I said you how it was and uh i i miss those days <laughs> that's a, that's a good throwback days but um yeah let me know if you if you if you're one of those people that watch friends endlessly or the office endlessly or any show endlessly uh and yeah get, help help me understand why because i feel like i am getting the broad picture but I guess I don't really like. I mean, I'm not a binger, in the broadest in the, in the basic sense of the word. I'm not. I'm not really a fan of it. I don't really like it. I I enjoy watching something once or twice a week. Um, I'm not really someone that will just blaze through a whole series. I don't really like that. Even when my latest episode, uh, ep- uh, watching of uh, Dear White people, I watched that over about three days. It was only ten episodes, but I watched it over three days because I just that's just how I roll. You know, I'm kind of used to that method, and uh, I'll probably do the same with uh, Top Boy when it drops uh, next next month. So that's um, just that's just how I'm that's just how I'm built mentally. Uh, but guys, let me know if you if you are that kind of person. Uh, I kind of I, I find this mindset very interesting in terms of just a form of escapism, and. Yeah, I I guess I can imagine it for, like, a film, um, but not for a whole TV show with, like, ten seasons like Friends does. Nah, I I, I I can't really do that. So we get into the last topic of the week, which is music. And if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock... Uh, Notting Hill Carnival was in this. What well, happened in this past weekend? Obviously, bank holiday weekend, and obviously Notting Hill Carnival in London. Um, and I kind of just wanted to talk about it in the overall sense. Obviously, I didn't go because I'm ill. <laughs> I've been ill, and uh, but the vibes looked just top notch, as always do, as always does every year. Just going on social media here now, it it's uh, it's blessed to see. Um, but I wanted to talk about it in the overall sense, and there's this amazing article that I found uh, by Amna Modine uh, of The Guardian, and it's called "Not in Hill 2019, Carnival Should Be Taken As Seriously As Glastonbury, and I just found that, that's a piffy headline right there, that is a, mm, that's a tasty headline right there, so I wanted to get into it, and I shall. When... Aldwin, Ro- Aldwin Roberts, better known as Lord Kitchener, stepped off the deck of the SS Windrush in 1948. He sang a few lines of his new song, London is the place for me. It's been more than 70 years since that fateful moment when hundreds of Caribbean Commonwealth citizens made the UK their home. But Roberts' spirit and that of the Windrush generation could still be felt in Notting Hill Carnival, Europe's largest street festival. Michael Oliver, who goes by the name of Bubbles, Dressed up as Roberts to honour his parents' generation, he was carrying a briefcase with the word Windrush, plastered on the side, while another famous Lord Kitchener lyric, "The Road Made to Walk on Carnival Day," was on the other side. The 68-year-old said, "You can never get rid of the template." This group of people played a great part of this whole thing. In this whole thing, they came here and brought all their culture, and we have enhanced the culture. Oliver was seen, was keen for the, next, for the carnival not to be taken out of historical context. It's a celebration, but it's a deep thing. It's more than just coming out on the street and getting drunk. London's first carnival was held in 1959 in response to a series of racist attack and rioting that spread from Nottingham to West London, where white youths went out targeting black people. The carnival was put together to celebrate the culture of the local community because, according to a brochure handed out during the time, a people's art is the genesis of their freedom. Christa Bilong, who traveled from Paris, said, quote, It's still about celebrating black people and our freedom. A 30 year old has come to the carnival regularly over the last decade. She was dancing on the Red Bull Music Mangrove float with her friend Jasmine Fisher, uh, Janine Fisher, sorry, a dance instructor. Quote, we're celebrating blackness, we're celebrating Car- Caribbean and Africans, and we do it in the sun with good music and with some jerk chicken, of course. They were part of more than one million people to descend on West London this bank holiday weekend to celebrate the two-day festival known uh, for its mass bands, where themed costumes meet with music, steel pans and booming sound systems. There's a lovely quote here. Edmund and his wife, Jean, were dressed as sailors to not only celebrate Carnival, but also the 50th anniversary of Edmund moving to London. Quote, they've used the Carnival to remind people of Windrush who came here and brought Carnival here. We grew up with this, as part of our nature, and to see it develop has been amazing. He laughed when it went asked if he loved or hated the city. I can't say I hate it, but I can't say I love. Let's go with like. Uh, and there's a last last paragraph here. Re- Roots, Levi Roots, who's uh, he's, he's part of the article as well. I just skipped it. Uh, Roots was keen to give credit to the festival organisers who he said were un- under immense pressure to either move the carnival or stop it altogether. Bairdman, who lives round the corner from the festivities, is not too worried. They've been trying to move carnival for 40-odd years and they haven't succeeded. The bands are local and so are we. We'll come out to the street every time. So, for those that, you know, I know a few people that obviously went to carnival this year and uh, I'm sure they know the, um, I guess, know the history of it and obviously the reason why it happens. Uh, people have used it as well as a symbol for you know um, remembering Grenfell as well, which is obviously always great. But the whole thing, the whole aura of it, there is a reason why it's Europe's largest festi- uh, street festival. There is a reason for it. The fact that it's in London, the fact that it's celebrating Windrush in a way, in its essence, I guess, and the, and people put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> there are a lot of women that put mad effort into the costuming, and I'm just like, mm, could it be me? I'm not that one to put much effort in. I'd probably throw on a basketball jersey and head out. But uh, salute to the women that put mad effort into the into the clothing is is. <laughs> It's bomb, it's absolutely banging. But, um, you yeah, know, it really is a symbol of the history, and it's always something that should be noted every year, and it really should. Like the headline said, it really should be uh, noted and highlighted on the calendar as big as Glastonbury. Um, obviously, they're different things in a way, but Glastonbury is seen as such a British institution, but I kind of see Notting Carnival more of a British in- British institution because it's not just black people anymore that just go there. I'm seeing a lot of white dudes. I'm seeing a lot of everyone there. I'm seeing a lot of races there when I when I when I look at pictures at, at Notting Hill Carnival. I'm seeing a lot of pictures there and a lot of a lot of different races and different cultures there. Obviously, the overriding sense is Caribbean and African cultures uh, from the food and the music, but everything else is really what London is multicultural. And, you know, I've talked about that a few weeks ago, but it really is a, a symbol of that, a symbol of multiculturalism. And, you know, just a, it, it really is, in my mind, on the same level as Glastonbury. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, as another plane goes over my house, I shall leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been what's good. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, I know it's uh, relatively shorter than most. It's probably going to be le- come out to less than an hour here as I ed- as I edit. Um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, the. Uh, uh, what should I name myself? I should have a name for my for my sexy uh, seven seventies uh, uh, <laughs> soul soul music uh, persona. I don't know if you if you guys got one for me, if you got, if you guys got a good name for my for my uh DJ persona who, who who hosts uh Jam 106 late night, eleven PM to two AM playing only the sexiest jams. Oh my god, yes. I am that guy. I am that guy. Give me a name, give me if someone given give me a name, that'll be amazing. But yes, as I nurse this uh as I nurse this uh chest infection right right, right quick for the next week. Uh, I shall leave it there. Ladies and gentlemen, from the Fear Element Podcast Network, I have been Charlie Taylor. This has been What's Good. Intro music is Too Much by Vanilla. The interlude music has been Vista by Poldor. You can find all their uh, music via Bandcamp in the links below in the description. Shout out to Chill Hop Records for the ability to use. Until the next time, have a good week, everybody. I shall try and do the same. So until then, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.